Welcome to Montessori Moms in the Wild. We are three trained Montessori guides and new moms. We are not here to be your guide per se, but simply to share, commiserate, and maybe even inspire each other on this wild journey. Each episode, we will discuss a different element of the Montessori philosophy, explaining why it is one we find so important and interesting, and then take turns being blatantly honest about how we succeed and struggle with these practices in real life. There is no Montessori album for motherhood, and we are certainly in no shape to write one. Our hopes are that together we can remind ourselves of what is important to us as Montessorians and as mothers in a way that might help other moms, or at least entertain them. So sit back and relax as we take Montessori out of the textbooks and into the wilds. Welcome everyone. My name is Rachel and my training is an infant toddler. So birth through three years old and I am a mother of almost two year old in January and expecting a little girl in May. Hey everybody. I'm Laura. I am trained in um, lower elementary and upper elementary. So that is first through sixth grade ages six through 12, but I am currently working in a lower elementary classroom. So that is ages six through nine grades one through three. And I have my own child now who is also almost two, turning two in January. Um, And that's it for me so far. Just the one. (laughs) My name is Megan. My training is in lower elementary, six to nine, uh, first, second, and third grade. Also, I am currently a stay-at-home mom with, guys, get this, I also have an almost two-year-old in January. What? <laughs> um, and a nine-month-old son. So two for me. So let's start by catching up. What has everybody been up to this week? Laura, if you want to share first. Well, yeah. I mean, we probably all have a similar topic that at the time that we're recording this, Christmas has just Christmas. passed. And we all now have kids that are of an age where they're like a little bit more aware that something kind of special and cool is happening. And it was so cool. It was so, so cool to watch her experience Christmas this year. And, you know, just really like the magic, the magic of it is back. And we talked about this a little bit once before about like, um, you, you go through that stage in life. I mean, depending on when you have kids for all of us, we were able to have a chunk of time in our late teens, twenties, et cetera, where we went home and did Christmas with our families, but there were no like little kids involved anymore. We were the kids and we were like too old for it to be super magical. So it was really, really cool to, um, experience Christmas through her eyes this year. And I imagine you guys had some similar joy come from your nuggets. Oh, definitely. It was a totally different experience. However, I feel like I have this Christmas hangover where, yeah, it's just, we experienced all the joy of Christmas and it was magical, as you said. Um, But along with the high highs, I, we are experiencing some low lows. I just feel really overwhelmed. I sat down to record with you guys and there's just like, my room is a complete disaster with just trying to get old toys out and new toys in and all the new clothes. And 
I mean, and of course, that's something I even feel guilty about complaining about because how blessed are we? But just, you know, all the family's gone. And now it's just this like, I just feel so overwhelmed. And I sat down and there's just stuff everywhere. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, this couldn't be a more perfect day to talk about what we're talking about, because I'm here to be very humble (laughs) and honest, (laughs) because talking about the environment as of right now is it's going to be, it's going to be brutal. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Everything's a little less than ideally prepared yeah. at my house yeah. right now. Yeah. And I mean, we we're just talking about, it. I have a handful and face full of glitter because I'm sitting on the floor <laughs> and there's glitter everywhere. Like, where did this come from? And yeah. And that's easily the next six months of your life right there. Oh, yeah. Glitter just doesn't come out of carpets and just has a way of hanging around. <laughs> glitter is a part of my body now. <laughs> I am glitter. I am glitter. glitter. <laughs> How about you, Rachel? It was good. Uh, it was super magical. I mean, um, just like you all shared, it was just, it was fun because he was all in this go round and it just made it super exciting for me. I mean, we were playing at like 630 outside in the pitch black I <laughs> backyard the on the swing set. Yeah. Does he love <laughs> Which, it? Oh my gosh, he loves it. Yeah, yeah, it was great. My um, child also loves Finley's Twigset. <laughs> like we yeah. got to check it out today and we're about to move in with you, Rachel, at this point, your playroom. We and have the space. <laughs> yep. We're coming. You gotta, I'll just retire from work and be your nanny from now on. That's all good. <laughs> yeah. But it is, I just kind of feel that overwhelming feeling too. And then like, to, I had so many plans for nap time today. And then of course he napped like 20 minutes. And um, so the playroom was like still full of just, everything unloaded from the car just sitting in the floor so like I did a target drive up and tried to get some bins and straightened up before our friend came over to play today but like seriously it's just like oh my gosh so much stuff (laughs) which is great like yeah it's like a blessing it is and it's really it's great stuff like some of it is really great stuff but it's like oh my gosh like this is a lot of stuff (laughs) Well, all right. If we're being like fully honest about the week, I was only focusing on the magic. I want to, I want to come back to this at the end when we do our confessions. But I will say that um, the magic has been a bit chaotic because we are also smack dab like right now in the hopefully peak, hopefully it's stopping soon, uh, a massive sleep regression. There's apparently an 18 to 24 month sleep regression. Um, There are many along the way till this age, but none of them have really affected her sleep, definitely not her nighttime sleep. This one is brutal. So that definitely made for slightly less magical Christmas Eve and Christmas Day because she wouldn't nap and she was whining and clinging to me. And like, I mean, there were still lots of sweet moments, but it wasn't exactly the magical, like running around, hugging everybody, spreading Christmas cheer that I had dreamed it would be. (laughs) So if we're, if we're being honest. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that because I don't know about you guys, but I was looking at my Instagram feed on Christmas Day and everyone just like in their matching PJ sets and opening these beautiful presents and these children just filled with Christmas joy. And of course, we had that too. I mean, we didn't have matching anything. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> Actually, I went the day before to the store to get them matching PJs and there was like none left because they had all been scraped through. Um, and I got that. I, I did end up getting some because I was like, we will be cute on Christmas <laughs> because I just, <laughs> I don't know. I felt, I felt, I fell um, pray to the pressure. But then I was looking through everything and everyone just looked so perfect. And so I was like, we're taking a Christmas photo. Everyone has a Christmas photo. And I don't know if you guys saw the ones I posted because they were not, they were perfect. I was like, <laughs> no, they were perfect. That's exactly what our family photo would look like. I don't even think we got one. So I, yeah, they were so real. I have, I'll have to send you guys mine later. Cause they're not even postable because that's the thing. I just want to wrap up this segment right now by saying, Forget social media, guys. It is not real. <laughs> it is not it. real. Okay. Your Instagram feed, your Facebook feed, your whatever you're looking at. It is not the whole story. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Yeah. Let's move on. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. That's all that needs to be said. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing, friends. We'll be back after this break. Did you know that the human brain has about 100 billion nerve cells present at birth? The network's structure is formed by experiences children have in the first three years of life. Love Every designs their products for learning with a team of experts, academics, researchers, and specialists to make sure they're exactly what your child needs and loves. Their award-winning play products meet your child at each developmental stage. We love that they are thoughtfully crafted with sustainable, organic, and natural materials. We are all fans of their play kits and all of our babies have loved the play gym. We are excited to offer you free shipping on your next Love Every purchase when you use the link in our show notes or in our Instagram bio at Montessori Moms in the Wild. Happy playing! All right, so today's topic let's talk about the meat and potatoes of today's episode we mentioned it quickly a couple minutes ago the prepared environment so let's talk about what does that mean the prepared environment there's a lot of confusion there i even remember myself being you know before i got into my training had um some time as a substitute in in our school and kept hearing prepared environment and was like what does that environment like outside like reduce reuse recycle what is an environment so Today, we're going to discuss the prepared environment. Traditionally, the prepared environment, quote unquote, that Maria Montessori spoke of is the classroom environment that the child is a part of. But as moms, this prepared environment can be extended into the home. And that is what we are speaking of and focusing on today, basically meaning ways to provide a learning environment or an environment that fosters your child exploring freely and independently. So in her book, The Secret of Childhood, Dr. Montessori described the goal of a prepared environment as the first aim of the prepared environment is to render the growing child independent of the adult. Okay, so this is important to us because taking the time to implement the main components of an age-appropriate prepared environment in your home will ideally result in having a child who can care for themselves and their belongings without the constant prodding and adult intervention that most people experience, especially in these kind of toddler, young, young child ages. Okay, so those main components. So within the prepared environment, Maria coined six main components. Freedom, structure and order, beauty, nature and reality, the social environment, and the intellectual environment. 
So let's break those down for a second. So freedom. Freedom of choice is allowing the child to freely explore, freely move, freely interact with others socially, and freedom from the interference of others. So Maria wanted children to be as independent as they were capable of being. But as a parent, teacher, caregiver, whatever role you play in a child's life, you are still meant to be a guide in this situation. You should be observing and you should be stepping in when it is needed. So freedom is not the freedom to be dangerous or disrespectful. We're talking about things like leaving a basket of hand towels where your toddler can reach them and use them to clean up their own spills or having small plates and bowls in a low drawer or cabinet where they can get their own place set for a snack or a meal. For the child, it's also to interact independently with the environment um, materials, being able to get their own toys, being able to get their own snacks. So you need to be able to set it up, set up the space that it, that a kid's going to be in throughout the day in a way that's accessible to the child. Things should be at eye level. They should be at hand's reach. So they're able to independently grab that snack if they're feeling hungry or grab that towel to clean up the spill or the, in the examples that I listed earlier. Basically just needing you less to be able to do those things for themselves. Freedom. Structure and order. So we've all seen it. We've all lived it. Tantrums, outrage, meltdown. These things happen and they are totally normal. But here's the thing. Dr. Montessori shed a little light on the potential causes of these when in all of her studies, she found that children truly crave structure and order. When there is no perceived schedule for a situation or something feels chaotic and unpredictable to a child, they don't know what to expect and they don't have the tools to cope with that yet. Hence the meltdown. Children have a desire to be a part of the plan and the schedule and to know what is coming next. When no structure is in place, the child doesn't know what is expected from him or her or them. Children want to know what to expect. What are the rules? What's happening next? And what will happen if the expectations are not met? They want to know the rules of their society and they want them to be the same every time. This is why a child can read and reread and watch and rewatch the same story over and over and over again. At this time, they delight in knowing what will happen and what to expect. Okay, beauty. Beauty of the environment. So beauty makes the environment welcoming and inviting to the child. It, it lures them in. It makes them want to stay and interact with the things around them. So Dr. Montessori shared that Quote, the atmosphere should be prepared beautifully and simplistically in such a way that evokes peace, tranquility, and harmony. So this will draw the child closer to the materials or toys, whatever it is that they're interacting with in their home, and it makes them even more excited to dig into their surroundings, their environment. This could look like paring down the playroom a little bit to only a handful of their favorite toys at a time, displaying those in an aesthetically pleasing way in a room that is generally attempted to be well-kept, and they are responsible for helping with keeping that room, by the way. Nature and reality. So these principles help us set up the learning and play environment. Dr. Montessori believed that children should be inspired by nature. Just a side note, adults should too. Maria also believed that children benefit from nature and being outside. They need to experience the freedom of choice in nature and to freely get dirty while they're digging or splashing in puddles. So get outside and find ways to explore and interact with plants, animals, weather, 
everything. So this also means that we aim to have real wooden toys and materials that are made out of naturally occurring organic material and less plastic, poorly made products or products containing toxins in the environment, like as much as as you can mitigate. Reality literally means focusing on real world topics and tasks. So in the toddler ages and up through about six, really, we're trying to avoid a ton of fantasy scenarios and characters They truly are fascinated by real and tangible things at this time, things that we might think are boring, like watching a squirrel run around the yard or studying how dad sweeps the floor exactly. Reality also comes from helping with real life tasks like baking, self-serving, sweeping up messes, pulling down their own pants to get a diaper change or use the toilet. These are all practical things that adults do every day, and children can also do them too, starting at a surprisingly young age. Okay, last last two. Social environment. Social environment, the Dr. Montessori strongly believed children learned greatly from one another, like honestly better than they do from adults bottling things. The prepared environment should allow for free social interactions, which helps children become socially aware and learn to care for others. And the intellectual environment is what you get when the environment is prepared appropriately using all of these major principles. When we guide the children through managing everyday tasks, interacting with nature and interacting with others, they are growing intellectually. The environment is pushing and inspiring the child to become independent, responsible, and self-motivated learners. Okay, ladies. Talk to me about your thoughts on the prepared environment in your homes. Megan, go. There's glitter everywhere. (laughs) You didn't hear Um, a word I just said. You're just like sweating glitter right now. (laughs) I, I heard everything you said. It was said beautifully. And I just, this is what I want to start off by saying. I want to start off by saying that I believe wholeheartedly in everything that was just said. Amen. I, <laughs> yes. But <laughs> here we go. Yes. Starting with the but I'm like really, really starting on a positive note today um, is I just want to say that the the effort that it takes to set up a space that you feel good about is really hard. It's really hard. And especially when we're talking about, you know, for for me, I'll, I'll just talk about myself. For me, I have m- my entire house. I had it set up from the day that my child was born, both of them. And now being at, I'm at my parents' house right now. I'm not in my own space. So I feel kind of like I can empathize with someone who's starting from the beginning when their child is not a tiny blob on the floor that doesn't interfere with like boxes being taken over and um, trying to root through all of the old toys and things, I will say that it's it can be really, really overwhelming, and I feel really overwhelmed. And um, so I think I I thank you for sharing that because I think it's important to go back to why it's not just about let's have a clean house so that you know it's insta perfect. Let's 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 talk about why this is important so that we have that, um, that fire in us to be able to, to do this. And I just want to start by saying that it's hard and I get it and I'm there and it's hard and, um, but it's important. So those are my initial thoughts with glitter all over my face. 
that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you um, on on the same level. Like, it, it. thank you, Laura, for sharing because it was beautifully said. And it is such a good reminder as a Montessorian um, myself. But like Megan said, this is real life. Like we just got, we went, we traveled for Christmas. So we got home and I literally threw everything in the playroom floor. And then it's like, I have all this new stuff, but like, where do I put it? And I look around and I have this Buzz Lightyear tent that my child loves with his whole heart. But I'm like, that does not look like it belongs in this beautiful environment that I've set up for you with your pickler triangle and your... <laughs> it is not, your it is not wooden. <laughs> it is not wooden. And that's all. probably probably a good thing, Rachel, because it takes up like three quarters of the space <laughs> in there. It's like the hugest Buzz Lightyear <laughs> rocket ship you could ever hope for literally thank god that i can take it apart and put it in bags really quickly because (laughs) it will not be out all the time but it's like it's a buzz light your rocket based on reality right (laughs) (laughs) excellent point megan excellent point how we are 1000 percent hypocrites and absolutely (laughs) let those plastic toys and fantasy toys just trickle in there it happens it's gonna happen happen. but it's not it's not the majority of what he has though right i wouldn't say that by far no i would say right now if i look at his shelf he probably has that's probably the only plastic thing out and it's just going to be what it is because he does love have uh, have a love for Toy Story, as I do, too. So, you know, um, it will be what it will be. But it's hard. It's hard to keep up. Even like, like Megan shared. I mean, in the beginning, when I had Finley, I had the beautiful shelf and the love every boxes that came and I would set it up and I still do. But it's it's much harder now, I feel like, to keep up and change the work and change the toys than it was then and maybe it's just because he's so much more active and using it more I don't know but I feel like I struggle more now than I used to or maybe it's just the stage of life I'm in now too so what about you Laura what are your what are your thoughts on this well so I have to say that Rachel it was really sweet of you to thank me for what I read because you composed uh at least (laughs) 50% of it Rachel actually is like our guru on putting through like the album notes like she's just so humble yeah she really is it was really sweet of you I went through and flushed in like my little side notes to each thing mostly because as I'm reading it it's making sense to me as a trained Montessorian but I really wanted to make sure I was kind of breaking down like well what does that mean what does that mean what does that mean yes 100% so I feel like I honestly already got a lot of my like opinions on like why is this thing important and what should that look like in your house or here at least here are a couple examples of what that could look like but the things I wanted to make sure I circled back to include like honestly first and foremost same kind of message Megan was giving it is hard. And this requires patience. This requires a lot of patience. It requires patience for yourself, first and foremost, because there are going to be chunks of time where the environment does not feel beautifully, perfectly prepared. And that day's activity was not beautifully, perfectly prepared. Um, However, you have to give yourself that grace and courtesy because we can only do so much like a lot of other real life things are going to get in your way things are going to be unexpected there's going to be a sleep regression there's going to be a short nap there's going to be a whatever and that project doesn't get done and that thing is not ready perfectly the way that you hoped that's okay you also though are going to need to tuck in and get ready to be really really patient with them because you're going to we i think we talked about this a little bit in our first episode of the idea of laying out these perfect 
activities and these beautiful environments for them to interact with. And then they use it completely incorrectly, inappropriately. You know, they're throwing stuff, they're dumping stuff, they're, you know, stomping on stuff. And it's just not, it's just not what you pictured. There are going to be days like that. Be patient. They will pass. There are going to be times where you left out a basket of um, rags for them to go grab and clean up from that spill of milk and they clean it, quote unquote, and have done a worse job than it was before they cleaned it. And it's going to be every fiber of your being not to just step in and grab the rag out of their grubby little hands and do it for them. But these things, because of everything that we stated earlier about why these are six principles and what they are allowing the child to develop inside, which ultimately is that intellectual stimulation and advancement, you have to be patient. That's my number one. I have other ones, but I'll see what else you guys want to get out. Yeah, no. Yeah. no, I feel like patience is huge. And then also, so I get, I do get asked a lot um, about setting up a Montessori environment in the home. The biggest mistake that I see is too much going on. Yeah, that, okay. that's exactly what I was, minimalist. That, that like when yes. you think play, like when I think environment for your child, minimalist. Like exactly, the less the better. Something I tell parents a lot is if you can't clean it up, if it's overwhelming for you to clean it up, it's too much. And and this goes back to patience one and observation. So we'll probably talk about observation just on its own in a different time, but watching how your child interacts with the materials in their room, in the kitchen, wherever it is in their playroom. Um, if they aren't adequately giving, I'd say attention and care to the materials, there's probably too much. And I'd say start there because I see these, you know, beautiful shelves that someone bought and spend a lot of time choosing. And every single space on that shelf is utilized by some kind of toy. And all of that stuff ends up on the floor. And we want our children to be able to focus on each material that's on the shelf and they aren't going to be able to do that if there's too much. And they're not going to be able to put it away if there's too much. Yeah, I'm I'm I love that you just brought that up and I want to speak to not even the other moms who are trying to be Montessori already coming into this and have a shelf or have materials on the shelf. Oh, that's true. I want to yeah. talk to the moms who have never heard anything like this before and have a playroom or a living room that is just filled with baskets and baskets. Yep. Just the soft baskets that are just filled to the brim with toys. And what happens is baby comes in, pulls it off, dumps it out. Is It's a hurricane for like five minutes and then has no desire to interact with anything else in there and is up your butt again, crying, whining, wanting this, wanting that as maybe the TV's on and they're just staring blankly at that for a little while. Those parents... I encourage you also to consider that your child is 100% overwhelmed with the amount of choices when when it's that kind of situation, just like you are when you come in and see what has happened to that room. So grab yourself some totes, some tubs of some sort, 
take a huge chunk of that. And again, like Megan said, it would be really wise to observe first and see, well, okay, in the five minutes that you did interact with something, what what are the things you seem to keep coming back to? Like watch them for a couple of days. What are the things they they do seem to consistently touch at some point? Leave those things out, pack a whole bunch of the rest away. Don't throw it out. Don't donate it. You know, like these are still perfectly good toys for them. And what you do is what's called a toy rotation, where every so often when you notice that the, you know, handful of things that were left behind are now no longer really interesting, pack those up, pull out a new handful of things, pop those in the play area and watch those become brand new toys to that kid and watch them actually be able to like focus on something for more than a couple of minutes is is the idea. And this might not be perfect the first time you do it, but I, I definitely recommend that you start with paring down the amount of toys if you are in the situation where you you know you have like an overwhelming amount of stuff. And like Megan said, you look at it and you don't want to clean it up. You for sure are not setting up a successful situation for your kid to want to clean it up either. So I would say even if you don't have a shelf, if you just are a normal non-Montessorian, you can do yourself a huge favor with this. I love this. how I assume that everybody has a shelf. Like, of course. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, even, and I'm thinking now, like, as I went back as a parent, like when I was, when we moved, we moved into this house where, and now when my little one was like, what was he? Like around six? No. Yeah. He was about six to seven months old when we moved into my new house, which has a playroom, which we didn't have at the old house. So that was like, oh my gosh, I have a playroom. But in my mind, it's I, a nice playroom. <laughs> it it is. is. We're all jealous of the playroom. <laughs> it's so nice, guys. <laughs> um, but in my mind, I think like when we were like moving and I was thinking, okay, what do I need? I already had the shelf, of course, but I felt like I needed more because when you look up like type in on playroom on pottery barn kids you're gonna get this like huge wall thing with all these like cubbies just like laura was talking about and that's so not at all like functional for your toddler to use because it is like a it's a dumping it's a dumping session then but um i was just thinking of toy rotation maybe um I can take a picture of my bins and our playroom closet and just like post it on social, post it on our social just to see because it's nothing fancy. It's literally room essential target plastic bins with mm -hmm. just like toys just yep. or work put in there. And it's just how I keep them away. So there's only like six to eight choices for him at once. So it's much more minimal. Um, yeah, I would say too, um, because I remember when we all had really small children, um, babies. Yes. That... We were talking about our shelves and I was asking you, Rachel, for advice because you are our resident infant expert. And I remember you saying three, you know, three things. And I was like, I, I am trained in this. I am, I spend all my time, my free time, like reading about Maria Montessori. And that to me seemed very minimal. Um, because like we said, that's not, my area is not infant and toddler. And so even being in this world, three items on the shelf seemed really excessively minimal. And so I do think that whatever you have in your mind, whatever you're thinking that you need to get rid of, take that and like double it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever you think should be out, take that and cut it in half. And if this is your first time setting up like the Montessori playroom, Montessori environment, then literally set like the minimalist up that you can, because that's going to make it easier for you 
starting because then you're going to know, okay, do I need to add more? Are they like sitting there after they've done the three toy played with the three toys on the shelves? Like what else do I need to add now? Did they play with that airplane or did they not touch it? And then you take that off and put something else. It's really all about observation, which like we said, that's going to be a whole nother episode because we can go into that for days and days and days. But it really truly does help you set up the environment when you're just observing your kid, just watching them playing. Yeah. It, yeah. it helps you choose not only what you need to really leave out, which again is much less than you think and is going to help avoid the craziness of cleanup or just like burnout and just why why won't they play independently? I have so many friends with kids our age who like are so frustrated that their kid cannot just go play independently for more than like five minutes. And again, it's, it's a lot of it is because of this idea of there's just too many choices. I'm overwhelmed. I've dumped everything out. I'm done now. Like someone come entertain me. There's more to it than that too, but we can come to that in a different episode. Um, I mean, same thing with books. Yes. Yeah. Do you guys not see totally. yeah, like thousands of books out? And I will say that I am guilty of this a lot of times because we love books. We love them. Um, and, <laughs> and there's so we, many good ones. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have so many and a lot of times, um, I end up with too many books out on our bookshelf. And I see that with a lot of family and friends where they have, you know, 30 books out at once. And really, it just ends up being a dumping fest. And even if you are reading them, I would say that to me, the thing that I found so interesting about Montessori when I went into it was uh, did an observation at a children's house, which is ages three to six. And I noticed that the children were using glass cups, which if, you know, anyone in the, if you've, if you have children are like, what? (laughs) Glass cups, because you know, that's just could be a recipe for disaster. And that was what I thought originally too. Um, But when things are disposable, there's not as much care. If you can just break something and grab something else and you, it's a never ending well of material, you're not going to take as much care of that thing. So if you have an endless supply of books, are you going to really take care of that book? Because you can just throw it and there's another one right there. Can we really read the same book over and over and over, which we talked about in the introduction, which this is really important to, what's the word? Repetition. That's it. Um, So not just the toys, because I want to talk about this a little bit because I hear it a lot. Parents saying that their child won't touch their shelf. Can we talk about that for a second? About, you know, setting up all these, you know, either trays or um, sorting work or scooping work and their child is just not interested. Rachel, can you talk about that for a second? Time. Time is the main thing there I may as a classroom teacher sometimes I put things on my shelf that aren't touched for like a week but then a week later you see it being used you have to give them time to acclimate um you can't just like when you put all new things out it can be overwhelming so that's also a thing I want to speak on um Try not to change everything at once, which I, as a teacher and a parent, do this a lot because like right now, my shelves in my classroom are all like holiday, Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, 
So I'm going to have to do a big change when I get back, um, which will be like all new lessons work on the shelf, which might be overwhelming. But they've also been away from school for a while. So it's not as overwhelming. It's more overwhelming if one day I change if my little one Finley has like, let's say eight lessons out on the shelf right now, which is what he has choices, then all of a sudden, all of them are brand new, like that's overwhelming. And he may just look at it and toss and pull everything off and be like overwhelmed because it's all new. He's like, Oh my gosh, I want to touch this and this and this. Um, but I think you have to give them time and you have to you as a as a parent, as a teacher, I give them what we call lessons. I, I show them how to use the work properly. You can do this as a parent. Take the blocks off the shelf and put them in the holes. Or and when you're presenting a puzzle, just have take the puzzle pieces off. Put them in a separate basket on top of the puzzle. And then pull the puzzle off the shelf. And you individually pick up each, each piece and put them in. And that's like aesthetically pleasing. It's interesting to watch. And that's um, a lot of times brings them to wanting to do that. Um, I don't know if that's what you're going for, Megan, but I think time is the key there because a lot of times they just need time to like dig in and experience it before it's taken away two days later, which I feel like happens a lot. Like you put it out, they're not touching it. So then it's like, oh, they don't want that. Like I did it all wrong. So let me just put everything out new again. But the same thing's going to happen. It's going to be like a cycle that you can't get out of if you don't give them time. Yeah. Well, and I think, so just, I think we could keep talking about this as it refers to like toys or works in the sort of play or, you know, work cycle part of your morning with your kids or afternoon. But I think Megan, when you mentioned the glass cups that they were drinking out of and glass pitchers that children were pouring their own glass. Yeah. Of water. We need to talk about They're that. pouring yeah, their own water and set up. Yeah. yeah so, that whole part of the prepared environment is is huge, huge, huge. The toys come to mind because everybody can relate to having just an exploded mess at the end of a day. And that is a lot. And everybody like that's a huge part of it. Yes. But these other opportunities for them to have a tiny little glass and a tiny little pitcher that that is stored in a cabinet in the kitchen that they can go get to themselves. Or you have purchased a small, simple kitchen that is their size, like, you know, a children's kitchen um, that doesn't have to have working running water. It doesn't have to have light up burners. It doesn't have to have a thousand different cool, hip, modern kitchen accessories that are tiny and handmade and wooden for them. It has to have like a little cabinet of its own that they can open and go get their own flatware, their own silverware, their own little glasses and things that they need, a little napkin that they can go either sit down at a small weaning table that you've provided for them, or they can at least bring to you to set at the tall table where you will now lift them up and put them into their chair, whatever the situation is. The more autonomy that you can give your child, even at this very early age, the less of those meltdowns and power struggles you're going to have because they will feel like, I have a role in my home. I have the ability to contribute to things that's going that are going on around me. Like when I every time I go to sweep something off the floor, my daughter lo- um, drops everything she's doing to run and go get her little tiny broom and start sweeping next to me. And that is teaching her care of her environment, like literally her home environment, care of the things that belong to us, care of the space around us. It shows her that when you make a mess, that's okay. 
we clean it up and you can clean it up yourself again by going to get a rag that you can reach and knowing where to put it in the laundry room when you're done. There's a little pile that's your level that you can get to. Like these are all those parts of the prepared environment that are going to make your life easier eventually. At first, they're not going to have the easiest time with these things. Glass might get broken, all of that stuff, which by the way, pro tip, if you do decide to pull out real glass, Again, like Rachel said, as far as giving a lesson goes, as the parent, you in that case are like, oh my gosh, wow, like this is real glass. I mean, you show them like it's special. It's We have to be careful. We always are using two hands. You're very careful on how you're modeling, how you handle these things. Um, and you show them that like you are capable of handling something that other adults would otherwise swear should be nowhere near you. You are capable if you are given the proper introduction to it. The expectations are set very clearly that you're going to be careful. If I see that you are starting to bang the glass on the table, I'm going to take it and it's going to go back in the cabinet. We're going to try again another time. But I keep giving you those opportunities to show me that you can have the same things that adults have and do the same tasks that adults do at your own level. Yeah. I, you know, because love, that's building you up to do it. I love that word opportunities. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's good. Episode done. That's that's exactly <laughs> what we're talking about is um, if you are just starting out, observe what is my child doing? What do they need during the day? So something that I have been um, noticing, my daughter really likes to get her own water. Okay. That's what I have observed from her. Now I have my little pitcher. I have her cup so she can get her own, she can pour her own water, but there's like, you know, the pitcher's small. So there's not a never ending supply of water. Um, so opportunity, she needs the opportunity to be able to get her own water. And so watching her need, seeing what opportunity I need to bring to her I need to figure out how she can have her own step stool so she can reach the sink. So things like that, watching, if you're starting out, observing what your child needs and giving them the opportunity to do it themselves. And it can be that simple. It's hard, but it's also very, very simple. Yeah, no. And like Laura said in the beginning, it is going to be harder because you're like showing, teaching them how to do it but then later like they'll be able to grab their rag from their basket and clean it up one thing um Megan you were talking about that um with your little one needing um water like my little boy just constantly wants things out of the fridge and his language is great but sometimes I'm like dude what are you saying like you're really telling me but I'm like okay what are you saying so today which I think this is the first time he's actually like done this but we have like a kitchen helper and it's like he uses it all the time to climb up get things whatever but um he kept telling me something in the fridge today and pointing and I was like I don't know what you want like show me and I picked him up and he's still cutting and he was so frustrated and he goes to get his kitchen helper. He pushes it over to the fridge. He opens the drawer and he got out the blackberries. And I, he had said, I think he was saying berries, but I gave him like blueberries, raspberries, strawberries. But he was like, Not no, I want the blackberries. And I was like, oh, okay. But like he did it. And then he was like, yay. And I was like, yes, we did it. Like, and he got his bowl out and was happy and content. But like that, 
that autonomy of him being able to go get his kitchen helper and push it over. And then that like gave me the peace of mind knowing, okay, he actually like, he got what he was asking. I understood him now and he could do it himself essentially. So that made my mama heart happy, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking about when we were back when we were talking about putting things on the shelf and the, uh, the playroom is that knowing where your child is developmentally. So all of us have new toddlers. Um, and so they're not going to spend a ton of work of time sitting at a table doing matching work or puzzles. Um, they're going to spend most of their time wanting to expel what Maria Montessori would say is maximum effort. Um, Mm. so another reason that you don't need a ton of toys is because that's not really where their work is right now. They want to use their whole body. They want to push, they want to pull, they want to wipe, they want to sweep, they want to use their entire body. And so when you, if you have a toddler, what, you know, leaving out a ton of toys is really just going to make a mess for you. That's not what they're very interested in right now. Of course, there are reasons to have that out. But if you're noticing, hmm, my child's really not playing with this. When we were talking about the intellectual environment, you know, keeping what is developmentally appropriate available to them. Um, So I think that's super important. Um, Do we have any kind of last thoughts on this topic? I I do a little bit. I just want to say that Regardless of your ability to have a shelf or to read a book or to have a a tiny kitchen and all of the things, all the kind of examples that we're throwing out there, the things we keep coming back to, regardless of all of that, at the end of the day, I think what I want everyone to take away from this episode is remembering that kids are more capable than people think at an extremely young age. Like as soon as they're mobile, they're capable of more than we give them credit for. So the whole idea of the prepared environment, however you are able to implement it to whatever degree you are comfortable with, the idea is just to let them discover those capabilities and develop those capabilities because the longer that you wait to give them those freedoms, the harder it's going to be for everyone. Um, They want to help. They want to be a member of their community and their home. So again, just try to find ways that they can help clean up a spill. Maybe you don't have a basket of rags where you can reach it, but you say, oh, it looks like you spilled something. Would you like me to give you a rag so you can clean it up? Like that, honestly, that's where I'm at right now. I don't, I keep forgetting to leave a basket out for my child, but I'm happy to immediately go grab one out of the drawer and hand it to her. At least she's still involved in that. Well, I've, I have the rag now I'm going to go clean it up for myself. So like whatever you can do, remember they're capable. They want to be helping. Um, We didn't actually really talk about this part very much, but they want structure and they have a very intense sense of order. Like this thing goes here. I do this at this time. This belongs with this. This belongs with this. And you're going to find out when those meltdowns start coming or the tantrums start coming, what it was that was one way in their mind that you accidentally totally trampled over. So trying to just keep some kind of sense of, even if you don't have the shelf in the playroom and the mini kitchen and all this stuff, are you following some kind of structure and routine roughly throughout your day that they can kind of rely on and, and expect? Do they understand what their day is going to look like or are they just along for the ride? Does everything have its place? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even as adults, we need that, right? You know, like when I come into my space, if I go into my closet and there's just 
clothes everywhere and laundry everywhere. That's stressful to me. If I don't know what's going to happen in my day because there's no routine, that's stressful to me. And it's the same for children. Yeah. So, and then the, the, the last, the closing thing is that if, if you're not a Montessorian and you're hearing all of this and hearing like freedom, give them freedom, give them opportunities, give them glasses, give them pictures, give them weapons. No, no, no. <laughs> this is not. Give them this is not glass. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Please understand what we've been trying to drop throughout the whole thing is that this is a process. Okay. Rachel's son did not grab his no. kitchen helper, slide it to where it needed, climb up, open the fridge, grab out what he needed and state it clearly to her. In the beginning, this is an ongoing thing with a Montessorian mother who is highly trained and it has taken a little while of example and, and leadership to get to this point. And I still mess up. Yeah, of <laughs> co- we definitely all do. So I just want to remind you that when we say freedom and we say opportunities, it is very much in a framework and there are still very much consequences. So like if you give if Megan gives her daughter a pitcher of water and then she chooses to use that to pour it all over her baby brother and throw it across the room, Megan's not going to pick it up and say, oops, (laughs) (laughs) have you been in my closet lately? Because I was going to ask you the same thing. Um, She's not just going to pick it up and say, oops, you dropped your pitcher here. Try again. She's going to say, hmm, it looks like you're having a hard time using this material appropriately today you know like mommy's gonna take this back now you can try again another time like that's it your opportunity has closed you know like these it doesn't mean that it is a free-for-all chaos child-led experience in every sense of the word it just means that you are remembering that they are human beings as well they have desires they have interests they have passions you take the time to try to notice what those things are and you take the time to try to give them opportunities to explore those things and when it goes south real quick you correct and you move on from there. You know, like you're still involved in the situation. Yeah. Yes, there's always boundaries. There's always a framework. I think work this gave us another episode that. idea. Structure <laughs> and order. There we go. That's another yeah. episode. Freedom, we're right there. Freedom within a framework. That's yes. what we love. Yes, yeah. freedom. That, it truly... It truly is. I think so. This episode really speaks a lot to to um, the younger age group. But I would love to talk about structure and order from this age group up through, you know, the age of nine to 12, because this is something that comes up a lot in parent conferences is like, well, when they're not at school, what should their what should the day look like? What should it be like? You know, so I'd love to come back to that. But Hopefully we did a good job of covering what does it mean to have a prepared environment? Why is it important? And what might that look like in your home from being a skilled Montessorian with a beautiful shelf and rotating your love every boxes all the way to being a just normal human being who happened to find this podcast and is wondering what to do with the 19,000 woven (laughs) baskets of toys that are dumped out on your floor every five minutes. And the fact that your kid is just throwing stuff off their dinner plate and walking away, you know, like, what do I do with all that? Hopefully this talked a little bit to those things. All right. So let's lighten things up and finish the show with I mean, what has become, I think, my favorite segment called Confessions from the Wilds. Okay. I have the best one, probably. (laughs) I really think I do. So um, we started toileting um, a week and a half ago. Um, It's been great. He was showing all the signs. Truly, honestly, I wasn't ready. But he has, like, he's 
taken it in strides other than not wanting to put on clothes because we stayed naked for like a week. And then he was like, why do I have to wear underwear? It's <laughs> a valid question. We can't actually go to Trader Joe's naked. So sorry. But, <laughs> but so we went out to eat last night um, with my parents that they had brought me back home. We're spending the day and we went out to dinner last night and it was like our first outing other than being at like my, their house or my house. So I was like, okay, well, we took the toilet in the car because I just, a public toilet, I was like, he's probably going to freak out because we have like the seat covers on top of every toilet here. So his bottom fits like perfectly. So I was like, okay, we'll take the car toilet. Easy enough. Well, in the middle of dinner, he's like, pee pee. And I'm like, okay, let's go. So I grab him. We go, we run out to the car. My husband, Garrett comes with me and I thought Garrett had the toilet all set up it's like literally a little like stool with like a round insert so it has no bottom you're supposed to put a plastic bag in so yeah so you would think I thought he had it set up with the plastic bags they were there I assumed (laughs) and then all of a sudden um Garrett's like oh my gosh and like it were in my dad's expedition like my dad has a super nice brand new Ford Expedition Max, like super nice vehicle. Um, and we're in the back of it, and there's like pee just draining oh on the mat. <laughs> and then Finley stands up and is like, "Yay!" And I'm like, "Yes, you peed!" And now it's literally all over the back of my dad's car, and he's going to flip. And there's oh like pee God. running everywhere. Thank God he didn't poop because I can't even imagine what that would have been like. But but Kara was oh like, you God. didn't do it. And I was like, you didn't do it. We both thought each other set it up correctly. And we didn't clearly. So there was just pee running out the back. <laughs> but we got it cleaned up. And then Finley was trying to tell Pops, like, Pops, pee, car. And I was like, no, it's all good. We're good. <laughs> so that's my, <laughs> that's my confession. That's my confession. Can't wait for your dad to hear yeah. this episode. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. <laughs> All right, I'll just go out and throw mine in real quick. Mine was definitely one of those highlight, like, um, hypocrite. Like, I, I really had to come to terms with my own um, naivete as a parent, I think, because so I, I have a younger sister. And again, hopefully someday she hears this and is like, wow, you jerk. I have a younger sister who um, already had children before I had my child. And um, bedtime was sometimes a struggle. A lot of things can be a struggle when you have kids. But I remember I'd be sitting there texting with her. It'd be like 10, 1030 at night. And she'd be like, ah, guess who just creeped out of his room to come join me on the couch for a minute? And I was like, Mm-mm, absolutely not. When I have kids, this is never going <laughs> to happen. Okay. Remember that sleep regression I was talking about a couple months ago? Yeah, that's been super fun. And there have been a couple of nights where my darling, precious baby, sweet angel (laughs) child um, will not for the life of her just lay down and go to sleep. She's will fall like we and I try not to rock her to sleep or have her fall asleep on us and lay her down. She has always been so good about laying down in her own crib and awake and then putting herself to sleep. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful and it is not happening right now. And she'll fall asleep on one of us in the rocking chair. And as soon as her body touches her crib, she jolts awake and clings to us and screams bloody murder as if we are leaving her to a pack of wolves (laughs) it's super fun and um a couple of nights ago it was like 
it was like 10, 1030. And she was just wide open, wide open. Every time we did go in to do our little check-ins and you're okay, go to sleep. She started (laughs) jumping on the bed and being like, come, mama, come, mama, all done, all done, all done. Like she's, I'm done here. No, you're not. Um, And finally, Chris and I, who were all delirious from having dealt with this for a couple of days already, were like, okay, well, I guess you're awake then and took her out to the little area outside of all of our bedrooms where there is a TV and like kind of a hangout space. And I put on Mr. Rogers in black and white because I don't know, for me, for some reason, that seemed like less crazy, uh, (laughs) which sort of like for stimulating because honestly, like, first of all, no, absolutely not. Should she be out of her bedroom right now for any reason, especially not to watch TV. TV of <laughs> all things is going to make her like not go to sleep immediately. Um, fortunately, it did a little bit pan out for me that two seconds it passed like the intro. Her eyes were just, like she was doing that like, you know, when you want to <laughs> watch a movie, you any mother on this listening to this will know that feeling of like we want really badly to actually watch something but like your body your is shutting down and it's not gluing. happy your eyes yes. are just like yes. uh, yeah I'm watching her face and she and Chris who's holding her are both just like <laughs> zombies staring at Mr. Rogers and I was like okay and as like the song faded out I was like bye bye Mr. Rogers good night and turned it off and she happily said good night to Mr. Rogers and then she did actually go to sleep I will say that now this cannot become a reoccurring thing like she's smart and she's going to absolutely figure out or at least think that she's figured out that if she just protests for long enough she'll get to go watch some more TV not great I know it I blew it I know it (laughs) okay that's my confession I can't be doing stuff like that oh I've totally done that before Oh, thank you. I do feel better knowing that I'm not like the worst Montessori parent in the world. Megan, please share. <laughs> um, okay, so this has nothing to do with my child or children. Again, this is just me being me. I really hope that one day I come to this podcast and I don't have something just so embarrassing to tell. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was last week and I was going out to get drinks with my friend Roxanne from Mama Stay Fit go check them out. Mm -hmm. Um, It was her birthday. So we were going out to get some wine at a winery that I have never been to before. It was late. Um, I was later than I was supposed to be because she said five. And for some reason in my mind, I was like, oh, 530. Cool. I'll be there at (laughs) 530. And then at five, she's like, I'm here. And I was like, I haven't even left my house yet. Um, So poor thing is waiting for me, right? Um, So I'm rushed. I drive there really fast because I'm like, oh my God, it's her birthday. She's there alone. I'm the worst. Um, I pull into the, what I think, it's really dark. It's like, you know, it's a winery. So, and it's nighttime. So it's, it's dark. I can't really see. I've never been there before. I go to what I think is the parking lot and there's two buildings, one right next to me and then one that's probably... I don't know, like 200 yards away. And I don't know which one is the winery, right? So I look off to the one that's closest to me and it says that the garden entrance is closed. So I'm like, okay, then that one's closed. It must be the other one. But just to make sure, I give her a call and I'm like, hey, um, which one is it? She's like, oh yeah, this entrance is closed. You go the other way. I was like, cool. There's no like, there's no walkway. So, um, I'm trying to figure out how to get there. 
Now, like I said, I'm in a hurry. So this is the first embarrassing part. I'm in a hurry. And so I'm running, right? As you do, like you, you, <laughs> you run. So I'm running and there's like this kind of uh, cement median kind of thing and it's separating the parking lot from the path and I'm running like mission impossible and I just you know jump over the median onto the walkway not realizing that the walkway is like an eight foot drop (gasps) oh my god oh oh my my god Uh, yeah, so I I jump over and as I'm falling, I'm like, this. <laughs> I make bad choices. <laughs> just just this like beautiful like chariots of fire. Is that the name of the song? You know, the Olympian yeah. moment where you're just like, <laughs> and then you leap and it's like. <laughs> I scrape my hand and I fall and I landed on my feet thank goodness but I did scrape my hand anyway I'm like I'm still late so I just keep running and I wish that there was like a camera or like an aerial view to see me so I run and then there's like a a dead end and then I run the other way there's a dead end and so finally I'm running in winery fields so like they're grapes <laughs> on both sides of me and I'm sprinting <laughs> through <laughs> sprinting through like with my light on my phone like just trying to find oh my this gosh. freaking winery so I get there so guys I've run like 200 oh yards God. through a field oh. and, I, and I get there and it's not the winery Get right. Megan. Megan, yeah. It's not the winery. So I turn around. Oh my gosh. And, back. and um end of the story is that the original building was the right entrance. You just couldn't go into the garden. You had to go into the main double doors, which was very <laughs> misleading. <laughs> Folktail winery. <laughs> um so yeah, that's you my did embarrassing a lot story. Of detouring to get back oh where you started. Detouring. I poor Roxanne. I made her have to wait for a very long time, and I am very embarrassed. <laughs> just the image of you sprinting through vineyards, like just sweating and panicking. Just like yeah, the just areas where clearly no one is supposed to be walking, let alone sprinting. Probably like security cameras just watching me. Run. <laughs> Uh, I can't. The only positive was like, oh, I've got a good story for confessions. <laughs> yeah, that's um true fact. Yep. I hope yep. that over time our listeners get to enjoy so many more of those Megan moments because <laughs> yeah, you truly like have just, just like happens to me. Just the most amazing <laughs> life, Megan. So so good. It's so good. I do it to myself. I really do. <laughs> Like the GPS told me where to go and I was like, nope, that's not right. <laughs> no, but you know what? It's a little bit you and a little bit the universe. You remember the time we were supposed to have the play date and your um, car had a flat tire and then a giant like tractor trailer drove by and yes. kicked up a rock and like destroyed every window in the car. <laughs> and it's just like glass and babies everywhere. That was totally a universe being like, hey, yeah. Megan, what's up again? Yeah. I just you you push through because I did make it to that play date. You did. You did. You did. You know, a smaller person would have backed down, but you were like, "This is my life. I am used to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am making Take that play date. Seat, put it in another car, and we're coming <laughs> to the play date." 
okay. I made it to the I made it to the winery. It was all good. Okay, thank you for listening to Montessori Moms in the Wild. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. Until next week, stay wild. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>